We praise your name. We lift you higher, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, your protection, your blessings, your presence, not only here in this place, but we know, dear Lord, in every home that is watching us right now, we feel saturated, Lord, by your glory. In the middle of the turmoil in the world that we live in, the ups and downs and situations in the home, that we can find peace in you. In the middle of the week, dear Lord, here we are on a Wednesday evening, and we just lift up a praise to you and your glory comes and descends. You tabernacle yourself and you're with your people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that breath of fresh air. The anointing, O oh Lord. Your presence that soothes, Lord. That calms us down. That helps us to once again focus on you, the source. Our Savior. Our firm foundation. Faithful, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You are by our side always, dear Lord. Even if we can't trace you, you're still there, Lord, watching over us and carrying us over to the other side. We thank you, Lord, that as you walk with us, the enemy cannot encircle us, cannot get near us, cannot touch us. Lord, the, the clouds of destruction cannot reach us because we're safe, even your shadow brings us safety so we thank you lord we thank you for uh, touching our bodies and our minds and keeping us strong lord we thank you lord that you are present in the in the valley but also in the mountaintop experiences and when we are highly favored and blessed and also when we walk through the difficulties of life that's the kind of god that you are we thank you lord that if nothing else just being to be enveloped by your presence today strengthens, encourages your arms wrapped around us, dear Lord. Blessed be your name forevermore. Thank you, sweet Jesus. Thank you, dear Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God is so good to us today. When we think about the journeys that we take toward him and also the distracted journeys, that the Lord is always there, always waiting for us. You know, a mighty thing, one of the wonderful discoveries about a relationship with the Lord is friends and families might point the finger of accusation if you mess up. But God, what he does, he extends his arms to wrap them around you and pick you up. That's the kind of God that we serve. And when we, when we fall and we make mistakes, uh, we don't have to be fearful of his wrath. On the contrary, if he's going to love us, he's going to love us even more in those situations situations and he loves us to be able to transform us restore us to lift us up and yes to protect us that's the kind of god that we serve you may make yourself comfortable there at home i just want to just share with you some thoughts that came to my mind with the reading today connected with the sermon on sunday and i if i have to do a part two it would be today doing a part two a follow-up uh, we were talking about the last Sunday on how uh, King David messed up so badly, so royally. I mean, his mistake not only cost him, but also had consequences on the innocent. You need, you need to get back to that sermon when you have an, an opportunity. And, and, and I had titled it on Sunday, Be Careful When You're Doing It Your Way. Uh, today what I'd like to do is just take really brief moments because I think 
the worship experience here has just brought us closer to the Lord. But there's something about the Word producing faith. And if we jump from Sunday's Bible reading in, in Chronicles to today's Bible reading in chapter 15 of 1 Chronicle, I just want to see how the Lord allowed David to have a restart. In fact, I've titled the sermon for tonight, A Restart. Look up, get up, and try again. Restart. Oftentimes when we fail, we think that it's over. And, you know, who among us can say they've never made a mistake? Who among us can say that they've promised and really not honored that promise after a little while? Uh, who among us can point the finger of perfection uh, towards someone? No one. And one of the mighty things to know about God is that he allows us a second opportunity. And it's interesting that here in the sequence of Sunday's reading to today's, Sunday, David made a huge mistake. Here, he learned from his mistake. And now he's doing it the correct way. And if we, there's very, just three observations that I have with the text. And then I want to draw you to a moment of prayer because I believe things are reconciled at the altar of, of confession. And if you look at verse, uh, verses 25 of chapter 15, 1 Chronicles 15, verses 25. Then we're going to, you, you look through that and read through 16, chap, uh, chapter 16, verse 7. There's a lot of stuff that comes out of there, but I want to stay on this theme of a restart. Look up, get up, and try again. The first thing is we find in the reading, verse 25, so David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of the units of a thousand went to bring up the Ark of the Covenant. This is the second time. Remember the, when we studied Sunday, it was the first attempt, but they did it wrong. He learned his lesson. Now they're bringing it up. Uh, again, the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Obedidom with rejoicing because God had helped the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Seven bulls and seven rams were sacrificed. This is Wednesday night, so I don't have the, the, uh, too much time to be able to make a comparative be, be, with the way they handled on uh, Sunday when I preached that part, the earlier chapter, to the way they're handling it right. They handled it incorrectly before because there were instructions already laid out for for. Uh, the method to use when handling the covenant, which represented the presence of the Lord. And now here we find that, as we know, Obededom's house was blessed immensely because the ark was left there to rest. Now they want to bring it to them. And so they decided to follow what God had already said. Isn't it true that often we forget what God told us to do? Or we intentionally forget? Or even worse, we amend or modify what God had told us to do. But it is important following. David, King David went back to where the last, to the last place where the Ark of the Covenant was left. Now, I want to look at this camera to the other side and really try to peer into your eyes. You know where you left your walk with the Lord. You know exactly. This is a song that Andre Crouch uh, 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 wrote and, and sang. It says, take me back, take me back, dear Lord, to the, to the place where I first believed. And life takes you here, there, and everywhere. But we know exactly, we won't tell people, but we know exactly where we departed in the relationship with God. And oftentimes, not oftentimes, in order for, for us to get it back, we need to go back exactly to that place. He, uh, he didn't leave us. We left him. He didn't leave you. To, to, to say that he left you is because it, it, it connotes that we, he didn't love us. No, on the contrary. 
We're the ones that break covenant. We're the ones that run away from him. We are the ones for reasons sometimes that we rationalize that may not even be true. People don't love me. That church shows no love. Over there, there, there are no seats. All these things. It's too hot. It's too cold. They sing too fast, too long. And we, we aggregate a, a reason that we think is acceptable for us. We should rationalize in breaking off with God. We need to go back to the place. There is a restart for you. But you need to go back to that place where you left the Lord waiting, or as we say, left him flat there waiting. And, and, and if you notice in the text, he didn't just go back empty-handed, but this time around, he went because God was with them and helped the Levites. Verse 26 shows us that they went and they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams uh, before the Lord as an offering of confession, as an offering of gratitude, as an offering as required of the Lord. And church, I believe that we need to go, and, and God is not looking for our money, looking for our gifting, none of that stuff. But he is looking for a broken and contrite heart. A, guard, a, a heart that doesn't assume anything, but rather anything other than God loving you right back. A God that doesn't give uh, conditions to my, I'll come back, but you need to make sure that he's gone, she's gone. Uh, I'll come back, but they need to be acting differently. No, no, offering no conditions, but simply to fall at his feet in a place of confession. And I believe the, the, the slaughtering of the animals, the sacrificing of the animals highlighted that importance, that they were not just going to uh, appease Jehovah God so that they would not be a repeat of the slaughtering that happened of that one that touched the, 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 the teetering uh, uh, covenant, uh, I'm sorry, the Ark of the Covenant, but rather that we would realize that we have to come with a broken and contrite heart, not, not offering anything other than our, our, our brokenness before the Lord. Always mindful that failure is not just getting knocked down, but failure really happens when we don't get ourselves back up. We, we, we can't allow our life to be defined by the last mistake that you made. And oftentimes, that's where we stay. We need to come back to the Lord. I, 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 when I was preparing for the sermon today, I, I kept listening to songs, and the songs were speaking to me along with the Scripture. Donnie McKirkland has that wonderful song, We Fall Down, But We Get Up. So it isn't about falling down. It's about getting back up. And you know exactly where you walked away from the Lord. You know exactly where you walked away from the call of God over your life. You know exactly where you walked away from the purposes of God over your life. You need to go back with a heart of confession of brokenness and offer yourself totally back to him. The second thing I see from this that I want to share with you, if you, if you look at verses 27 and 28, it says, Now David was clothed in a robe of fine linen, Again, I don't have the times, but if you make the comparative here to the way he approached the covenant the last time in the previous chapters, it's a whole di- Here he understood the sacredness of the moment. Here he understood that this was not just a box that was being moved. Here he understood that this was not just uh, any religious activity or maneuver that was going to happen. For the Jewish people, they were transporting the Ark of the Covenant, representative of God's holiness himself. Uh, uh, more than an icon, more than something for, that was pleasing to the religious eye, it represented the Lord as it was demonstrated. So he decided to clothe himself now with fine clothing. And the musicians were the best. Even the ushers are mentioned in here that they were brought in and the choirs to sing. If you look at verses 27 to 28. David even put on his, what's called the, the, the linen ephod. That's the garment of praise. 
before the Lord. See, we, we need to come before the Lord not arrogantly, not with a New York uh, a frame of mind, uh, but rather in a sense of humility that we are frail, we are guilty, we, we should be cast aside, but God in his great love, in his uh, love that we cannot comprehend, allows us to enter even into his presence. And when I say here clothed, that doesn't mean put on your, Sunday I was wearing a suit and today I'm wearing sneakers. So it isn't about the outer garment. It's about the garments in the heart, the posture of the heart. It's about understanding that there is a reverent God that we're approaching. This is not a hey guy that you know. This is the creator of heaven and earth, the God that even in our worst condition still loves us. And we need to approach him appropriately. We make fancy arrangements when we're going to meet a dignitary or somebody famous here on earth. How much more? And I'm not talking about outside garment. I'm talking about the, the posture of your heart. He put on even his garment of praise. He wanted to make sure he did it right. He celebrated. In fact, it says here that he celebrated with so much abandon. You can see it. All the Israelites, they broke up to the covenant. Shouts of joy, sounding rams of horn, uh, the horns and, and trumpets and, and cymbals and playing the lyre and the harp. There was a, a great celebration, very similar to the first time. But the first time, it looked like praise. It looked like worship, but it wasn't. It was, it was a public display of I am bringing God's presence back. That's what it was. It was about me. Here, he enters and actually reverently places himself under the authority and instructions of the mighty God. And he's praising him there. And he celebrates God with abandon, to such abandon. In other words, they, there was euphoric praise before the Lord. How euphoric? How abandoned was it? We don't need to go further than the, my last point, which is verse 29. Uh, his wife, his first wife, was watching in the window. Not washing the window, watching from the window. And she's observing the display of King David. And uh, she was bothered by it. She, look, look at the verses. As the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michelle, daughter of Saul, watched from the window, and she was not pleased with what she saw. Bear with me for a moment. Sometimes we need to ignore what others think about our worship of gratitude. Sometimes we try to conform and try to accommodate people that perhaps they don't realize how much you were delivered and how big the miracle was in your transformation, and how far God had to reach in order to capture you again. How close you were to the precipice, and God on the 11th hour, 59th minute, pulled you back up. How many times you've made the mistake, and God was patient. Other people may not realize. So that's why sometimes we sing the way we sing, jump the way we jump, dance the way we dance, shout the way we shout. Because if you, if you can only realize or appreciate where I was and where I am now because of the Lord, you would probably shout the same way. But I think that there's something further. We, we need to seek to honor God with abandon. The same way as we read in the New Testament, he left uh, uh, glory to come and die on a cross. He left eternity to become temporal and take our, uh, our sins and sicknesses upon him. Total abandon. We need to be the same way with God. Uh, sometimes even when the Lord is calling us we would, uh, to do uh, uh, something, we, we say, well, how am I going to pay the bills? Well, you know, with total abandon means just trust the Lord. I had to make a big decision. It's going to be 30 years, 30 years ago pretty soon that I, when I left Wall Street and I could, if I was more concerned about paying the bills, I would have never said yes. Uh, 
There was some, yeah, concern. I, you know, kids have a bad habit of three meals a day and all that stuff. But there has to come a point where you have to trust God. Right now we're hearing not too encouraging words and news coming around, food shortages and all that. And even with the wonderful news of this vaccine coming up, there's still possible delays and all. And even secondary and tertiary results or reactions to not the, not the vaccine but this disease. A lot of unknowns. And we can paralyze and, and live in fear or we can just trust that God, God's got it in control. <clears throat> and I'm not going to run. If, but right now, where are you going to run to? The whole world is covered by this COVID. You've got to trust God and ignore what other people are saying. Grieve with those that grieve. Honor those that ha have visited us and been with us. But we cannot live paralyzed. We need to seek to honor God. And we need not give naysayers room. Don't let them live rent-free in your mind. Don't be too quick to listen to how others tell you how to live and how to live your Christian walk with the Lord. You know what I also find fascinating with this last point? Because the first one was go to where the last place you left God. The second point was clothe yourself differently. This one, ignore what others might think about your worship. That she was watching from a distance. Too often we listen to people that are watching us from the distance. They won't get their feet dirty with you. They won't cry with you when you cry. They won't suffer when you're suffering. But from a distance, they tell you what kind of holiness you live. You see a lot of this on social media. If you decide this way or this, decide that way, you're really not being a Christian. They don't know your journey. They don't know your walk. People that really care about you, they go into the pit of despair that you find yourself in, and they'll wait there with you and walk out of that place with you as well. The complainers will always be in the window watching, but never integrated in your journey. God is a God of restarts. He's a God of starting over. He gave here, here we see a wonderful display, an Old, Old Testament wonderful display of uh, King David getting another opportunity. And we know his story. He needed a lot of opportunities. But we see one here where God um, was able to offer to him an opportunity to look to him to get back up and to try again. I want to encourage you on the other side of that camera that even though this is not Sunday, it's Wednesday. But God shows up on uh, Wednesdays as well in your house and in your heart. And this is the time to cease running from him. God is extending to you another opportunity to make it right. Another opportunity to bring his presence to you. Another opportunity to get back in line with the plan, purpose, and prophetic words that God has spoken over your life. Let me invite you to pray right now. Father, I just thank you for this precious moment that I have to share with my brothers and sisters, Lord, on this daily reading. It's amazing how you speak to us. And I thank you, dear Lord, that we can see that you are a God of restarts, a God of do-overs, a God that allows us, Lord, to learn from our past mistakes, make adjustments and corrections. And when we can't make them because we don't have the strength, to allow the Holy Spirit to form us and shape us. I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters that this would be the day for a restart. This, was, this would be the day for them to get back up and try again and find you where they left you the last time. I pray your blessing over your people, Lord, as we worship and adore you today. In Christ's name, amen and amen.